Thank you for joining us on the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, those you love, and others around you so that you can win where it matters most. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations about issues that matter most to you. Now let's get started. Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. Welcome to episode 103 of Overcoming Monday. This is our Acts introduction season where we're talking about the book of Acts and we're basically like introducing how we're going to study the book of Acts. So we've already had six episodes, uh, five episodes already, and this is our mm-hmm. sixth episode. And I just want to let you know, this is the conversation episode in this season. So I have a couple of people here with me today. I have Rachel Gilmer. She, um, how did I meet you, Rachel? Just really at Anderson University? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much there. Camp. Yep. So tell them a little bit about yourself. You're a student. Sweet. So I'm Rachel. I'm a sophomore Christian studies major uh, teaching and preaching at Anderson. I work Crossroads summer camp this summer with the both of you guys, which was amazing. So I love camp. I love people. Clayton said it once. If anybody's more extroverted than him, it's probably me. Um, and that's kind of mostly all people need to know about me is I just love people and love doing work for the Lord. So yeah. yeah. And you have a heart to preach. Yes. Yep. Yes. So I love awesome. it. It's amazing. Cool. And then, do you want to introduce yourself? My name's Clayton King, Shari King's <laughs> boyfriend. We've been dating for 25 years now. I'm also uh, an occasional guest here on the Overcoming Monday listener and viewer podcast because we've also got people watching. Yes. Glad to be back. Yes. So, um, welcome to this episode. And let me tell you, we're going to have a conversation in this episode, and I think it will be applicable to you. Um, based on what we're talking about. So we're spending an entire uh, two seasons kind of setting up how to study Acts and how you can study it either individually or as a group using the ebook downloads and also with the podcast. But literally we're spending two seasons talking about context and how do we read the Bible and how do we do that well and like what does it mean to read the Bible in context? So I wanted to come in here today and talk about context and specifically mistakes that we've made because I haven't heard a lot of people, I mean, it's not like you get up on a Sunday morning and the, and the preacher says, hey, audience, guess what? One time I preached a sermon out of context. <laughs> and let me tell you how I feel about that and like what I learned from it. So literally what we're going to do today is just give examples of times maybe that either we taught a sermon and it was out of context, or maybe we uh, were with a group of people having a conversation and we just got something um, wrong or maybe just not quite in the center, um, understanding it correctly and maybe misapplied it. And we want to be vulnerable with you because I feel like this is good um, because we are not perfect. Um God is. We are not. Um, And so I want to give us the freedom to maybe look at some of the things that we've done in the past or, you know, recently or whatever and admit, okay, so I got this 
wrong um, or off center. And this is what happened. This is how it happened. Uh, this is how I reacted. This is how other people reacted if we know that. And then what can we learn from it? So we're just going to have a conversation about this. I'm not necessarily going to just so Clayton, what about you? You know, uh, but we're just going to have a conversation and talk about some of the uh, instances that this has happened and what we learned and maybe what you can learn and how you can take away um, some encouragement, I think, mm -hmm. from this podcast. So Clayton, I know you were telling me a story before we came down here about yeah. football. I mean, I think, the, I think the most perfect example of this, and, and I want to reiterate what you said, Shari, we have to give ourselves grace. God is not looking to punish us if we inadvertently or um, in, in a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Innocent. We in an innocent yeah. way misunderstand a context of a scripture in the way that we either apply it or preach it or explain it. And so when I was about 16 or 17 years old, um, my coach, my high school football coach called me preacher because I was in ministry. I was already mm -hmm. preaching and every Friday night before our football games, my coach would ask me to lead our team in the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, and, then, and then I would close out our team. So I'd lead the team. We'd all pray it together. We'd all take a knee on the sideline. We'd pray the Lord's Prayer. Some of the guys even do the Catholic cross across their chest. And, and then I would pray for God to give us victory over our opponent. Well, one night in the middle of me leading our team in the Lord's Prayer, it occurred to me because I was praying with my eyes open I'm looking across the field and the other team is on their knees in a huddle and they're praying the Lord's Prayer. And I, was, and I thought to myself, I bet they're also praying for God to help them beat us. So they're praying for God to let them beat us. We're praying, God, please help us beat them. We're both praying the Lord's Prayer. And Philippians 4.13, and, right? And, well, that's, <laughs> oh, that's, sorry. Yeah, so then I thought, well, to give us an edge up on them, <laughs> I'm going to quote Philippians 4.13 in my prayer, and yeah. that means God's going to answer us, and I quoted Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Okay, so here's a perfect example of not understanding context. I, I don't guess I'd ever really read Philippians 4, the whole chapter. So I, re, I, I quote Philippians 4.13 thinking God will give us the strength to beat the Traveler's Rest Devil Dogs. Or because a lot, of, a lot of athletes have that as a slogan. A lot of yes. Christian teams or athletes, yes. yeah. So I eventually wound up reading Philippians 4 and I realized that that is absolutely the wrong context. That is a context in that chapter about suffering for Christ, going through hardship, enduring difficult things. And I started to understand Philippians 4.13 doesn't mean I can do anything I want to just because I pray in Jesus' name. It means I can endure all hard things because Christ gives me the strength to endure. Mm -hmm. So that's just an example. That was one of my first times as a Christian of really figuring out, oh, I need to understand some context before I start praying things, preaching things, saying things, and superimposing things on God that I want him to do. Therefore, I feel like I can almost leverage him into doing what I want because I quote a Bible verse. Right. That was one of my first, my first experiences of understanding context and how important it is. Yeah, and I think that awareness that you had is very interesting because you even think about times, like if we're going to get super deep, I guess, historically, 
you can think about times like the Crusades, mm-hmm. um, where you have you know Muslims and Christians both claiming that God's on their side, or like mm-hmm. or not even just Muslims and Christians, but basically Christians just deciding the whole world needs to be evangelized, and they're going in the name of the, <laughs> the Lord yeah. and like killing people if they don't accept mm-hmm. the, accept Jesus. Or I mean, that it would be the extreme of that. Well, then on the know? other side of that, now uh, in Islam, you do bring up Christians yeah. and Muslims in the Crusades, but when you look at organizations like the Taliban mm-hmm. or ISIS or Al Qaeda, mm-hmm. they take they take their own scriptures from the Quran mm-hmm. out of context, yeah. according to some, and they justify raping women. Mm-hmm. They justify keeping women away from education. They justify killing infidels, anyone that's not a Muslim. Mm-hmm. So it's real easy to take scripture out of context. I just think it's ironic that Christians aren't the only ones who do right. it. Other faiths do that as well. Yeah, other faiths do it and ends up like... You have extremes, I think, in faith, but you also have extremes in the world. I mean, it's people can have extreme personalities and do a lot of things on extreme levels. But I think that's what you're talking about. Like, what does Philippians? What? Why did Paul write Philippians four thirteen? And what did it mean to the original audience and, and to the people that were even in Philippi? Mm-hmm. And you know, when I was in college, I started learning more about context. And you're in seminary now, right? learning more about context, which is really kind of how you got inspired to do the Acts study and right. to teach the book of Acts. And so I'm curious, like for you being in college now, was it was it sort of a, was it a stretch? Was it a surprise when you started learning about historical context? Yes, definitely. How you're saying we have to give ourselves grace. Um, I used to have a podcast, which we've talked about too, and I stopped it my freshman year because I remember walking into class after my first week of class and just thinking, Man, I don't know anything about the Bible. And a lot of my teaching previously was just very topical. Like we the first thing we learned about was teaching like the Bible and teaching what a passage means versus like a topical sermon mm. of okay, let's talk about how to have how to live life for Jesus in high school. So I'm gonna pull out these verses yeah. so I can talk about that so that fits my sermon topic rather than just teaching, you know, Jeremiah 29, like this whole passage. Yeah. But instead, like, I'm just going to pull out Jeremiah 29, 11 and make it apply to what I want it to apply rather than letting scripture kind of speak for itself. And so a lot of my freshman year was learning while like scripture really does preach for itself, the Bible doesn't need us to open it and pull it out and make it fit our idea. Like we're meant to come to God's word and let and just communicate his word in a way where God can speak how he intends to speak. Um, So a lot of my out of context kind of things were revolved around a lot of just topically bringing it out. Like I remember going to, I was in the Burger King drive through line with like one of my best friends in my fuse group and she knew I was going to AU to study theology, things like that. And she just asked me like, what do you think about, you know, like do babies go to heaven? Like questions like this. And my answer was just, yeah, you know, in the Bible in Matthew where it says like, ask, search, knock, and the Lord will give you the answer. Or just, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, it can move mountains. Like, we don't need to know the answer. Just have faith. Like, that's what the Bible says. Mm. Just have faith. We don't need to know anything. But when that's not the case at all, like, we are finite beings created by a God who is so big and so vast that we'll never comprehend him. But if God didn't want us to try to comprehend him, then he never would have given us the mind Mm. to do so. Mm -hmm. Like God gave us a mind that thinks. He gave us an ability to think. And that's because even though 
we can barely scratch the surface he still wants us to try. And mm-hmm. so like that's one thing for me is I remember growing up because I didn't know the answers. I would just tell people like you don't need to you don't need to know the answers because mm-hmm. scripture says just have faith. But scripture also says that like the Lord encourages us to grow in wisdom and knowledge yeah. every mm-hmm. single day. And so that was a lot of my experience freshman year was just learning to give myself grace because I think like you have to give yourself grace when you didn't have the knowledge that there was anything other than that. Like I used to preach not knowing that there was such thing as a topical sermon or another. But once I knew then I was able to pause and evaluate what I was doing and grow from that and not go back to those old habits. So Mm, so it was a lot of learning how to give myself grace for the Mm. things I didn't know any better then. Yeah. I think that Grace is interesting because we say we give ourselves grace for the things we didn't know, but literally, like, we have to have grace for the things we didn't know. (laughs) And it's not like God's up there going, I'm going to give her grace on that because she doesn't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, he's aware what we do and what we don't know, and it's a journey of just learning. I think when we think that um, salvation means we've arrived Mm -hmm. or, like, all of a sudden, just because we're saved, we've been infused with all knowledge Uh, I think sometimes I have believed that. Oh, I know Jesus now, and I have the Holy Spirit, so I know all things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I'm always going to get Scripture right because the Holy Spirit's going to teach me everything the minute I read it. And then I realized down the road, okay, well, I didn't understand that then, but guess what? I'd only known the Lord for a year, or I'd only known the Lord for this amount of time, and learning is part of growing. Mm -hmm. And like just like you and I, there are sometimes stories where we'll tell each other, you know, being married, you think you know everything about each other. And then all of a sudden, I'll say something or you'll, you'll say like, something. I've never heard that before. And we never, never knew that about you. Never heard it or never knew it. But we've been married for 20, almost 23 years, right? Mm-hmm. Is that right? It's over 23. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm 23, 23 years, three months, and... Uh, uh, 23 days. Yeah, today. he's the numbers guy. So <laughs> I'm always you're like, not. no, yeah. half the time I'm like, how old am I? I don't know. <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah, part of that's because my kids have decided that I'm, well, I told them to think that I'm 36 for the rest of my life and that's nice. Um, but anyway, so I wanted to tell this story. So this one was heavy on my heart because I've always been very, um, wanted to teach the scriptures well and not represent the Lord right uh, wrongly. And I know everybody wants that, you know. But um, sometimes, you know, my personality is if I get something wrong, I have a hard time, like, getting over that. I just feel bad about it. So, mm-hmm. yes, I've had to give myself grace. Mm-hmm. Although at the moment, it's not like God was trying to judge me. He already knew. Yeah. Like, my heart was right in this message I was preaching. But I just kind of presented it a little bit wrong. So it's really funny. I'm not going to read it all, but there's in Psalm 18, there's this, um, David's talking about, it says of the servant of the Lord, David, who spoke these words, it was a song to the Lord, the day the Lord rescued him from the grasp of all his enemies. Um, and from the power of Saul. So David feels like he has all these enemies around him. And I start (laughs) reading this And as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think this is literal. So he's asking the Lord, Lord, you're my strength. 
you're my refuge. I have all these enemies around me. Save me. And then literally, I mean, it says right here, the ropes of death were around me. The torrents of destruction terrified me. The ropes of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. I called to the Lord in my distress. I cried to the Lord for my help from his temple. He heard my voice. And so there's some literal things. It seems like it's literal to me. Mm. I'm reading this as if it's a literal story. And I'm like, I think yeah. this actually happened to David. So <laughs> it says, <laughs> the earth shook and quaked and the fountains in the, of the mountains trembled. They shook because of God's anger. And then it basically says, smoke rolls, rose from his nostrils. So I'm thinking, David's hiding in a cave. And like the earth shakes and then there's cloudiness everywhere. And then all of a sudden it starts talking about total darkness comes and the cherubim and the angels are flying and then lightnings in the sky. And it just talks about all of this. And so when I preach this message, I'm just saying the Lord hold heard David and I think he literally answered him. I think he created an earthquake and I think waters were rising and he's looking outside and he's like, Lord, rescue me. And the Lord, I think the Lord grabbed him and lifted him above the waters. And it wasn't that I said anything necessarily wrong, but I think God's heart is to rescue us when we feel encompassed by evil mm -hmm. and he does minister to our emotions and he pulls us out of circumstances we could never have imagined that we could get through. And I think David in this Psalm is feeling like everything around him is coming in. But the idea is that the Psalms are supposed to be poetic expressions of like, of emotion, emotion to God. What it's an feeling. emotional outpouring to God. Mm -hmm. And he's giving word pictures of how he feels. And, and so we're supposed to receive it that way in an emotional way. Right. And then know what we should be getting from this is it's okay to tell God you feel like mm -hmm. death is coming around you and that you feel trapped and to cry out to him when you feel um, tra trapped and like you can't get out of something and he will rescue you. So then in this, in this, in this particular example, then what you're saying is, you got the context wrong because you didn't yet understand the genre right. of the book of the Psalms. The genre is that it's poetry. And it's if you had understood the genre then, mm -hmm. you probably wouldn't have made the jump in your mind as you're teaching this message to say, David's in a cave and it's raining <laughs> and it's thundering outside and there's an earthquake yeah. and and the waters are pouring in the mouth of the cave yeah. and he feels mm -hmm. like he's going to drown because the rain's coming and down And God so sends hard. two angels and they lift him out, you know, like right. in a literal way. It wasn't meant to be literal. So once you understood the genres of the scriptures, right. you know, you've got the law, you've got the histories, mm -hmm. you've got the songs, which are like you've already described, very different than the literal historical writings of say like 1 Kings and 2 mm -hmm. Chronicles, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, or even in the New Testament, the book of Acts, Acts which, which is, is a literal, entire, hist I mean, a literal yeah. history of what happened in the days after Christ died and resurrected when the apostles were preaching the gospel and the church was being established. Yeah. Yeah. So a very different genre than the book of Psalms. And so once you learned that, you understood better how to preach and teach within context. Yeah, so if I were going to go back and preach it now or teach it now, I would say, look, the Psalms are amazing because when you have deep emotions, you don't have to be afraid to explain, to mm -hmm. express them to God because he does hear you and he will rescue you. 
but it's probably more in an emotional way than in that literal moment. Maybe mm-hmm. he does literally rescue you, mm-hmm. you know, from a situation. You and I have talked about having car wrecks and how there was these crazy car wrecks we were in and mm-hmm. somehow we survived these car wrecks and really believe that God saved us, yeah. you know? And so that was literal. But then there are times where sometimes we go through a circumstance and we endure the whole thing and the thing that he rescues us from is the emotional baggage mm-hmm. of a situation because he heals us, you mm-hmm. know? And so there's differences in that. There's sometimes a literal scripture and sometimes there's a scripture that appeals to our emotions, mm-hmm. allows us to know we can express things yeah. to God. That reminded me of an example when you're thinking about genre of just something, sometime I've taken something out of context is when... Like, I remember the first time I read Revelation and, <laughs> um, like, the mark of the beast. And I remember reading it and then going to my small group and talking to my friends. And I was like, guys, do y'all know that when the world ends, like, a literal beast is going to come out of hell and mark all of us or, like, mark everybody with this thing? And if you don't, like, get, like, if you don't get marked, it's just going to kill you like, right mm-hmm. on the spot. When, yes, like, it could be literal. When I mean, obviously, nobody knows what that's going to look like. But then learning... Oh, this is also like figurative language. And this is what you also see in Daniel chapter seven, the yeah. same language you see there. Like that's used in the Old Testament, but then John also repeatedly like uses this type of language in his gospel. And so like learning that different parts of the Bible are also, it's kind of like a puzzle where they mm-hmm. all fit mm-hmm. together and you really have to see what type of language is being used to be mm-hmm. able to see how to preach it but that was just another out of context i remember just running around and being like guys yeah. like some beast is gonna come down from the sky when um it's like it's an apoc- apocalyptic, apocalyptic yeah. genre when it's just meant to like john writes that way in order to convey an important message and he changes the mood because that's how he wants it to settle on the reader yeah. not necessarily because that's how it's gonna happen it yeah. might it might not mm-hmm. but it's used in the same way like if i we're going going to read a sad poem. Like I'm not going to read it with a big smile on my Mm -hmm. face and a lot of inflation because that's not the message I want it to Mm -hmm. convey. Mm -hmm. And it's the same. Like these are human authors who wrote this book as humans trying to convey a certain type of emotion. So we really have Mm -hmm. to dive into like, how is this person thinking and feeling and what message are they trying to convey as an author as well? Yeah. I think it's really helpful for skeptics and critics and non-believers for our ministry to the world that's outside of Christ, that's not a Christian, to help people understand the Bible is not one book. Mm -hmm. The Bible is a collection of 66 books. And one of the problems that so many skeptics and critics have with our faith is they don't know how to understand the Bible Mm -hmm. because they can nitpick, and it's very easy to do. They can nitpick parts of the Bible and say, well, this can't possibly be true. I don't know, how can I ever believe this? And of course, there are miraculous things in the Bible that we have to take by faith. But when we as Christians understand that the Bible is 66 different books Mm -hmm. and that the the collection of books themselves um, can't just be read as one cohesive book written by one man or one woman. God was the author, but there were dozens of different writers that were inspired to write it. It would be the same way, like you said, reading Dante's Inferno. And then going straight from there to reading Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Very different genres. Mm-hmm. Reading Wordsworth and then going to William Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And then maybe reading someone like um, Mark Twain. And then reading John Grisham. Very different genres. Mm-hmm. And if you read David McCullough, who is a great historian that just passed away, you know that when David McCullough writes, he's writing accurate 
history mm -hmm. of exactly what happened in 1776 mm -hmm. or when John Adams was president. Mm -hmm. Understanding the context of the book you're reading mm -hmm. is so helpful in understanding the Bible. And that's why I'm excited about um, your study of Acts and about this whole entire series and the season of looking at the book of Acts. Yeah. So we have kind of talked a little bit about our mistakes um, and the value that we get out of recognizing, say, the mistakes. And I think Revelation is one of the most misunderstood books in the whole Bible simply because it is apocalyptic. And I would say that most people don't even understand what ap apocalyptic literature is because it was most of it was written by, uh, by people in that gap year between the Old and the New Testaments. There are t there's tons of apocalyptic literature that uses symbolism to speak a message. Mm -hmm. And so that's what Revelation is doing. It's using symbolism and all of these things from the Old Testament to speak messages that are not outright, you know, they're not saying it outright. They're using symbols to communicate what the end of the world looks like. But people want to take even... Um, revelation completely literal, you mm -hmm. know, and it cannot be read in that manner, like completely literal. And so it would be the same mistake that I made with the Psalms. But I would say, let's talk a little bit about, um, and we only have a few minutes left, but let's talk about what we've learned and how, how we would encourage other people. So for me, what I learned is that um, you only know what you know when you know it. Mm -hmm. You only know what you know when you know it. And so when I'm relating with someone, the knowledge that I have at the point at which I have a conversation is all that I can speak from, you know? So as I learn things, I can go back and evaluate what did I know then and how can I change how I'm teaching now or what I'm learning now or what I'm teaching other people or even what I'm receiving but I can't go back in time and change things, you know? That's part of my journey. And so even when I met you, Clayton, um, one of the biggest, one of the questions that I asked you when we first met is, would you go back in time and change your story? Like, mm -hmm. go back in time and change parts of your story. And you said to me, no, because all of my stories made me who I am today. Yeah. And that's what I think that this is about. What have I learned? I've learned that I can only know what I knew when I knew it. And I can't know more than that. And so I can't hold myself to a standard that's unreasonable. Mm -hmm. I need to know that God had me in that place at that time and he can take the exact words that I used and the Holy Spirit can use them still to minister to whoever yeah. in that moment, however he wanted. I have to trust the Holy Spirit's work in someone's life more than my words. Mm -hmm. And so while I need to be careful about what I'm teaching and what I'm saying, I have to trust that God's able to use <laughs> who I am and where I am for his purposes in that time, Amen. you know? So that would say that would be my final yeah. like lesson. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm going to use like a math example, which I think is so funny because I know you hate math. <laughs> um, but definitely for me, what's helped is just learning and remembering because I'm very much hard on myself when I make mistakes. I don't like to make mistakes, but just learning that conviction is very different from just like, eternal condemnation I yeah. feel like when I used to mess up I would think man I'm, I'm condemned forever yeah. you know um rather than just a healthy conviction but it's like like when you learn math when you're growing up if I made a mistake on a math test my my teacher doesn't just kick me out of class and say oh you can't come back because 
You didn't know that two plus two was four. No, she sits me down. She helps me study. That she yeah, helps me learn that's it. Good. I pick up books. I learn it on my own, and then I go back and I do it again and I do it correctly. And I think it's the same way with the Bible. Is we're meant to be lifelong learners, and learning requires you know being wrong. Sometimes we don't have all the knowledge, and when we mess up, God doesn't say no. Don't come back to me. You're done preaching. You can't preach again. He says no. Get in my word. I have the Holy Spirit here to be the helper, to help tutor you, to help teach you how to use this and how to preach this word. So lean into me and let me teach you how to do it. And so I think encouragement for me and just encouragement for other people that are listening to is if you've messed up and you've preached wrong before and you feel like, hey, you know, this is this is really bad. I can't preach God's word ever again. No, you're meant to learn. Like we're meant to be lifelong learners and God is not condemning us and telling us, never to preach again. No, conviction is meant to be healthy in a way where it redirects us towards righteousness and yeah. right things. Like conviction is not meant to just cancel out everything and us quit. It's meant to help guide us towards where we're supposed to go. So I guess lean into that conviction, lean into the Holy Spirit yeah. and ask the Holy Spirit to help guide you towards the right way to do things. And then just get in God's word. You know, you can't preach unless um, you know his word. Because his word is meant to preach itself. God doesn't need us to preach it. He just wants us to. He wants to um, walk with us in life. And he wants to give us his gifts to be able to do that. You hear miraculous stories all the time of people who have never seen a Bible. But they know God's word. That God doesn't need us. But he wants to use us. And so I guess we have a part to play in that. And that is to dive into God's word every single day. Mm. And pick up healthy habits you know, you're not going to be preaching 365 days out of 365 days of the year. So, like, dive into your Bible and preach to yourself. Yeah. Practice with other people and learn and go seek a mentor, find people and ask you and say, hey, this is what I think this scripture means. This is actually Can I bounce this off of you? That's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. So that's helped me a lot. Mine's real simple. Um, pray for humility. Uh, pray for wisdom. It takes humility to pray for wisdom. Proverbs is all about wisdom. And it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Though it costs you everything you have, gain wisdom. Mm -hmm. So when all the time that I spend in 35 years now preparing to preach and teach the Bible, write books about the Bible, lead others, I need to be spending an equivalent amount of time praying for God's wisdom. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit can grant me wisdom to have understanding of Scripture that I read and also understanding of the teachings other people will, um, will employ to help me understand better. So it's not just wisdom when I read the Bible. It's also the wisdom of God when I read the theologians, when I read the experts that have studied it way more than I have. Mm-hmm. I need wisdom in both. So that, that's my, my uh, practical piece of advice is pray for wisdom. Yeah. Yep. And I would say also just testing and, and uh, a, like when you do hear some teaching, what does the word of God say? Is the person who's teaching you, does it line up with scripture? And I think that's, there are some people, um, there are people I have met who are bitter because I feel like they didn't get the word of God in the right way or that it wasn't taught right. But I think maybe we don't take lining, you know, going home and saying, well, does scripture really say that? Or is it, was this off, you know? And that's our responsibility to like decide is the person I'm listening to teaching truth. Um, and so I think that that's another advice. Instead of becoming bitter, just learn to become a, a good researcher. <laughs> like yeah. a, familiar with a word enough to, to hear a lie or to hear something, not necessarily a lie per se sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's, it might not be outright heresy, but it may just be off base 
mm-hmm. slightly yeah. um, because I know that I'm not perfect and everyone who stands on stage is not either. Yeah, and that's like one thing that popped into my head with what you were saying. Um, just real quick, of like we have to take it ser- preaching seriously. I think for me, I didn't really realize the weight of what preaching is mm-hmm. until I came to school um, because like preaching God's word is not just a TED talk. It's not like if I got up there and quoted good things from like a C.S. Lewis book that makes people feel good. No, like the Bible is the only book that is God-breathed, God-inspired. It's the only book that is literally living and mm-hmm. living in itself because it's God speaking to us. It's not just some book. The authors that wrote it were inspired, and there's a weight into learning it. And it shouldn't be a weight that scares us, but a weight that challenges us yeah. to do it and to do it well. And that was something that was really encouraging to me is that this book is different from other books so there are more mistakes to be made when you preach it but that should stir up something in me that like I desire to get in the word every single day because this book is not like other books like this is God talking to me mm, how living can and active, I yeah. yeah how can I help other people hear from God and partake in that as well so. that's good well overcoming Monday listeners thank you so much for tuning in to this episode I hope that we've given you some little secrets for your big big breakthrough so that you can win where it matters most. And where does it matter most? Well, for me, that is in my family relationships and my relationships with others and my relationship with God. And I believe that scripture is the foundation for succeeding in those areas. So if you want to get in contact with me, if you have any questions or comments, I would love to hear from you. Maybe we can address some of your questions on a podcast episode. So you can contact me on Instagram at, at Overcoming Monday. That's my handle. And then also you can email me at shari at shariking.com. Thanks for listening.